Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Breslin Breakdown. Here we are on this beautiful Wednesday night in East Lansing in the basement of Holden Hall, bringing you another episode of the official podcast from Impact for Michigan State's women basketball team. We're back after a two-week break. Hope everyone enjoyed their Thanksgiving, had a nice time with their family, had delicious dinner with or without mac and cheese. Anyways, anybody is everybody's back here today. We have all four of the members of the beat, Jay, Marin, Allie, and we have a special guest with us, Zach Slowick. Zach is on the football beat here at Impact, is a co-host of the Maze and Blue Report. I mean, Green and White Report. Oh. He, uh, he and he was also in Portland. You're making it sound like I'm a Michigan fan. No, you you are not. The, you are not the Michigan fan on that show. Neither That's am brutal. I. But Zach was in Portland last weekend, helping call all five games between the men's and the women's basketball teams, as they participated in the Phil Knight Invitational. So he'll be able to help us out, talk about what he saw from the women's team last weekend. So let's get right into it, starting off. Michigan State, since we last met, has gone 2-2 two and two in their four games. They won at Florida A&M two Thursdays ago. They won at Central Michigan two weeks ago on Saturday. And then last week in the Phil Knight Invitational in Portland, they lost to Iowa State badly. And then they kept it close against a good Oregon team, but fell to them as well, trying to make a comeback effort. And then as we look forward, and we'll preview some of these games towards the end of the show... Tomorrow night in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, Michigan State takes on Georgia Tech at home. And then on Monday night, Michigan State has their Big Ten opener against Purdue, a team they eliminated from the Big Ten tournament a year ago back in March. We'll get into all that through the show. But first, our question of the day. Our question of the day last week, our last show, caused a lot of controversy on Twitter. We had a lot of family members get involved. We had coworkers of family members get involved on Twitter. But anyways, this one should be a little less controversial. What is everybody's favorite Christmas song? Because now, starting tomorrow, December first, is officially Christmas season. So you know what? We'll start with we'll start with Marin. Marin, what's your favorite Christmas song? If you say Mariah Carey, you're wrong. I'm not going to say Mariah Carey. That goes for Um, everybody. It's a good answer. It's a very good question and now I'm trying to think yeah, of you Christmas songs. Yeah, you could a little bit of warning. Um yeah, we got no warning. So I, I feel a little blindsided. That's the point. Um I'm and like not really now I'm up like blanking Christmas on Christmas songs entirely. Uh, I feel like I'm allowed to look. This I'm gonna up. say, um, "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree." That's a classic. That's, That's a, a good one. That's a good one. Awesome. J- I was J- also going to say um, oh. Mariah Carey, but Wrong. you are just a party pooper. No, I'm just kidding. No, I hate I, Christmas. I would go with. So. I go with Jim, Jingle Bell Rock. I'm not going to lie. That's Jingle Bell Rock. Very- Jay has a very funny video of me dancing <laughs> to Jingle Bell Rock in an establishment I, 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 from I two might. weeks ago. But yes. so, thank you for that, Jay. <laughs> Allie, do you have a favorite Christmas song? I'm really bad at decisions. Um, lately, um, pick the Stephen Izzo answer. Stop. That is a good one. Shout out, Steve. Why don't we? Not my favorite, but shout out Stephen Izzo. Santa, tell me. That's a good one. Also, the by Ariana Grande specifically. Oh yes, that is Stephen Izzo's favorite. What's the one? Oh, underneath the tree by Kelly Clarkson. That's a good one. Okay, I mean. That is a good answer. Uh, Zach, do you have a favorite Christmas Yeah, song? absolutely. And I can tell that I'm an old head and probably the oldest one in this room. Um, probably not by much, uh, but definitely a little bit. I'm going to go old school. White Christmas by Bing Crosby really makes me feel good things about myself and really gets me looking forward. I only like snow 
two times a year and that's Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Other than that, I'm cool if it's 70 degrees outside. Um, not exactly a good mindset when you live in the beautiful state of Michigan, um, but that's that's where I'm going to go on that because I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Good pick. I, I like that pick. I Well, I have two answers. One, just to mess with people, and that's uh, Last Christmas by Wham, specifically by Wham. <laughs> it has to be by <laughs> Wham. It has to be by Wham. Um, but my actual answer is... Um, Another old one, What Christmas Means to Me by Stevie Wonder. It's great. Ooh, that's, that's a great Michigan one. Michigan State football used that in their win video after they beat Penn State a year ago when the football yeah. team was good. And that video, vibes in that video are so good. That's the vibes in that the best song videos are, they've ever put May out. I just if, also say the Michael Buble Christmas album? I share it every time. Chef's kiss on that. I'm also, exactly. if we, if, just to touch on football real quick, I know this is a basketball podcast. I'm very excited for the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line Christmas album that's coming out this Friday. Oh, <laughs> me too. Um, this Friday, uh, starring none other than Jason Kelsey. And I i mean, we're a radio station. I think we can talk about music as much as we want. Um, so I am i am just absolutely thrilled to uh, for that one, the full thing, the teaser video. Whoa, was spectacular. Jason Kelsey has a voice. I'll tell and you what, that guy's got some pipes on him. Honorable mention: Christmas Tree Farm by by Taylor Swift. It's a good one. It's original. That's just because you say it because you're a Taylor Swift fan. No, but it's nothing cute. wrong with being a Swift. No, there is nothing it's wrong. Cute. with cute. Shout out um, Ticketmaster. But anyways, no, no free ads. Oh. But I don't think that's an ad. <laughs> that's that's a, it's Ticketmaster a, it's a, put me in the handicap seats. It's a it's cancel a, them. It's a reverse <laughs> ad. I don't know if you can say that. Um, that's. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that one's all right, but <laughs> anyways, um, we're going to move on to some women's basketball action now after anyways. some uh, anyways. Now talking about some women's basketball, we'll start off with a recap from the last four games. Starting off t- almost two weeks ago now, Michigan State hosted Florida A&M at home. Michigan State broke the century mark for the first time all year, putting up 109 points, defeating the Rattlers 109 to 44. That one was a trouncing. Uh, Michigan State controlled that from the end, uh, beginning to the end. Um, you know, Jay, you were there. All four of us were there, actually. Sure. What, uh, what were your thoughts from that yeah, one? Yeah, obviously it was just a dominating performance by the Spartans. I mean, almost the entire roster got, got minutes, and almost the entire roster got on the score sheet as well. And Matilda Eck had a really nice performance, 6 for 12, 16 points. And as well, they, they shot they shot really well from the three-point line. And uh, McDaniel, Kamari McDaniel also got, got to the free-throw line as well. Nine for ten. Um, you know, that's what she does best, and yeah, just an overall dominating effort. So, I absolutely agree. Michigan State dominated Florida A and M from start to finish. Um, we are seeing kind of a trend earlier in the season. The team was being just a, a little slow in that first quarter. Twenty points in the first quarter picked it up a little bit, and also they kind of stayed on par with how they had been for most of the season. 27 forced turnovers, um, which was really good to see from their defense. Um, yeah, they pretty much covered it, but we saw a lot of good stuff because we were all there. We Eck really just controls the team when she's on the court, and that was like a really, I think, standout performance that we've seen from her so far this year. But there's 16 points going, 4 for 9 from the line, 6 from 12 from just regular field goals, which last year she wasn't the best just regular shooter, but she made it in. Got layups, got in the basket. So that was nice that we saw her because normally last year everyone just thought of her as a three-point shooter. Yeah, I think all around from that one you saw Matilda Eck had a great game. Her and Kamari McDaniel, like Jay said, both were the leading scorers in that one. Eck had 16, Kamak had 14. 
and as it's going to be a common theme in this uh, episode, those two have really been leading the offense for this one. They're the two leading scorers on the team. My last thing about the Florida A&M, A&M game, there's really not as much to talk about, was Michigan State's bench got involved, putting up 53 of the 109 points, outscoring Florida A&M as a whole, and then they did a good job of getting inside, getting points in the paint with 46. Do you have anything else to well, add, Marin? to add to that, um, the 53 points off the bench and Every player on the team's roster, except for two, got points up for the Spartans, and I think that's really big, just showing the team's depth and that they can get a lot of people in when they're up big. Yeah, they did a good job of getting to the free throw line. They finished 22 for 31 from the line on that Thursday night. So it's nice to see. It was a good win for them. Uh, Now we're going to move into the Central Michigan game from two Saturdays ago. This was at Central Michigan in Mount Pleasant. None of us were there to see it. What were our? Th- I mean, there really isn't much to talk about this one either. Michigan State defeated Central Michigan, eighty-four to fifty-four, really controlling the second half. Uh, any thoughts on this one from anybody? Yeah, I mean, Susie Merchant talked about it in the Florida A and M game, and they they need to get off to better starts. And it seemed like Michigan State kind of go off to a slow start, twenty-one twenty in the first quarter, and then like you said, Matt, they outscored Central Michigan 28 to six. And I think that's really been the theme for the Spartans team so far. I mean, as of late, I mean, you're seeing. I mean, you're playing, a, a, I would say, a, a little bit of a better opponent in, a, in Central Michigan, a MAC team, and you were able to control the game. Uh, Gabby Elliott, 8 for 12 for 17 points. I mean, you're seeing a lot of, a lot, and Mo Joyner, 6 for 10 with 17 points. So you're seeing a lot, a lot of these, a lot of these, these, these um, guys off the bench, you know, contribute uh, freely. So, yeah. Um, I think it's also off, the offense has been doing great. The defense, too, looking at the CMU game. 14 steals, forced 26 turnovers. Again, been a reoccurring theme with this team up until the CMU game, seeing lots of forced turnovers from the defense and the team getting really aggressive. I mean, I think in this one, another person that you didn't mention, Jay, that had a great game was Iceline Alexander off the bench uh, at the five spot for Michigan State. She had 17 and six, played 28 minutes. Uh, Tyre Parks has had trouble this year. Sometimes early in games, she'll get into foul trouble or She'll just, you know, have a kind of play a little too passively, or the way Susie Merchant doesn't want her to. And she has uh, Coach Merchant has no issue going to Iceline and giving her big minutes. She did the same thing against Oregon on Sunday, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So I think it was nice to see that Iceline can step up and be that five when this team needs it because it's going to be important, especially since Michigan State is kind of an undersized team in the Big Ten. I was just again with the offense. I think it's really impressive that three different players had 17 points and on every any given day, now that it's later or not later, but they've played a decent amount of games. You are starting to see like the four or five who are leading it, but even then like it's impressive to have four or five players that are every given day can have double digits, especially off the bench, Mo and Isoline, both with 17. Yeah, I think uh, off the bench they got lots of production. They've been able to get that in all their uh, again, against their mid-major opponents here in non-conference play, obviously the rotation tightened up quite a bit when they get went to the to Portland for the PKI, uh, which we'll get into in a second. But I think just overall, two good wins for Michigan State. Games they're expected to win. Central Michigan was 0-4 on the year after that loss to Michigan State. So, I mean, not a quality opponent, but Michigan State just doing what they have to do to win, going into Portland 6-0. and which is what we're going to talk about now and probably the most important segment of the show. Now we can get Zach involved here. Zach, you were on the call for both games. We're going to start with the Iowa State game on Thanksgiving night. Michigan State fell to Iowa State 80-49, to just a 
not a good performance for Michigan State. What were your thoughts being at, being at the game? Well, first, the f- I got play-by-play play for that one. It was a pretty exciting Thanksgiving, um, calling that, and then heading over to call the men's, uh, taking on Alabama directly after it. It was a little trip across the city of Portland. Um, but it, it's very tough for this team, and you see how much they struggle. Matilda Eck wasn't there. She went back played for her national team in Sweden, um, and then decided, all right, I'm going to go back and play for Michigan State like the next day. So she landed in Portland Friday, played Sunday, practiced on Saturday. I guess Susie Merchant said didn't have a great practice, but that's expected um, when traveling across not only the country, but pretty much across the world. So, um, And then the team just struggled shooting. You're not going to win many games shooting two for 18. Um, couldn't stretch the floor at all. But that did allow their guards to make plays. Um, Didi Hageman and Kamaria McDaniel both getting to the line um, quite a bit in that game. Uh, the two averaging or hit 11 of 15 three throws, um, which is pretty solid for them. Um, and then combined for only three turnovers. So not turning the ball over much from their two starting guards. Um, it was all around a tough, a tough setting for them in that one. I don't know if they'll see a center um like stephanie suarez again um maybe against oregon when they had to take on filipina che who is six foot eight um you heard that right six foot eight and absolutely eats up rebounds in the paint so playing probably the two best bigs that they'll see all year in this tournament i think will help them tremendously going into big 10 play and Traveling the West Coast is never easy, and they made that very clear in their first game. Their second game, obviously, which we'll touch on here in a little bit, they looked much better. Um, but DD having 15 3 and 3, and then uh, Kamaria or C-Mac, or K-Mac, sorry, uh, 11 6 and 2, no fouls for her. So just playing extremely tough. Um, and then staying out of foul trouble was huge for that one. Yeah, I think that one was just. I mean, Iowa State's a top ten team in the country. There, I one. I mean, Michigan. They were four going into that, so there's right. a reason they're the four best team. They have the the last two years the best shooting guard in the country. Um, so I or small forward. I'm sorry, and Ashley Jones, who's won that award back to back years for being the best, and there's a reason they're ranked that high. Yeah, I mean, in Michigan State, they. It was one of those things where they just fell behind early. They couldn't get shots to go. And then after that, it was game playing catch up. And a team like Iowa State's just not going to let you back in the game. Uh, the shots weren't going. Nights like that happen. Michigan State hasn't been great at shooting three pointers. They take the most three pointers. Uh, they've taken the most three point attempts out of any team in the Big Ten so far this year. They've also made the most. But they're, I believe, 12th in the conference right now in three point percentage at 30%, which obviously isn't great and it's something they're going to have to improve upon going to conference play, but it's interesting to see how this is going to be a measuring stick because right now there are three Big Ten teams in the top ten. You have Indiana, you have Iowa, and you have I am blanking on the third right now, and I don't know why. Um, Yeah, and just for reference while you look that up, they shot 11% from three against Iowa State. Um, Two for 18. So that's not exactly. And then other than uh, K-Mac and DD, not very successful from the charity stripe, just 13 from 23. I think with this Iowa State game too, it's 
it was seeing a lot of the small things that were small mistakes happening in games that, and you can afford to make those mistakes against a team like Central Michigan, against a team like Florida A and M. But then you're playing the top four team in the country, and that's when all those mistakes are going to come out. Saw some slow starts. Losing Eck is huge. Eck is a big shooter for this team, um, and I think seeing just a lot of those really small things that were getting picked up in these opening games. Um, and then bringing them against a bigger opponent. Yeah, I mean, to add on add on to that, I think this is just a game for Michigan State. You just wrap it up and throw in the garbage. I mean, you're playing a top-five team. Stephanie Suarez, like you said, Zach, I mean, she's one of the best players in the country. She, I mean, she was controlling the glass, doing everything. She was just imposing her will on on the Spartans, and I think, you know, it's just a, a game that you need to just forget about. I mean, you're you're playing a really good team. And, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, Iowa State is, I mean, they're, they're a contender to win the national championship, so, yeah. Yeah, I think in that one, like you said, they did throw it away. I thought the most impressive part about that was the fact they were able to put it behind them, played Oregon on Sunday night. They played well in that one, didn't come up with the win. But I just think overall for the Iowa State game, it's just you kind of look at it and you say, where can we move from there? They uh, Obviously having Eck, having your leading score out can never help. Uh, Mo Joyner stepped up, but you know struggled from the field going two for 11. So I think overall it's just a game you kind of move on from Michigan State. It was good first test for them like obviously they had the their first six opponents of the year hadn't been very good it was a game for them to step up and play a real opponent they did get punched in the mouth but it was it's interesting to see how they step up going forward yeah and I guess the one pro you take out of that right is they played argue somebody who's in the running for the best basketball player in women's basketball this year and Ashley Jones then held her to only eight points like she's been the she's mo- almost certainly going to be a three-time best small forward um, in college basketball for the Cyclones. And to hold her to eight points when she came in averaging over 20 is something kind of special. So defensively, to 80 points is a lot. Um, there was, a lot of those were second chance. Uh, can't get out-rebounded by nine um, to a team like that, but at the same time, it's 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 very hard when you're not spacing the floor well. So I that's all I have to say for the positives from that game. I don't want it to sound all negative. Um, definitely more positives in the Oregon game, um, but yeah, yeah. I think and uh, we'll move into the Oregon game now. I mean, just overall for Michigan State, game to forget. Uh, but they had an opportunity on Sunday to bounce back and try and go one and one on the weekend against Oregon on Sunday night. They did fall to the Ducks, eighty six to seventy eight. Michigan State fell behind 27 to 12 in the first quarter, but clawed clawed their way back into it, and still, but still came up short. Zach, what did you see? What differences did you see in the team on Sunday night? Uh, K-Mac in particular, uh, Kamari McDaniel ran the point almost the whole game. Played 37 minutes. D.D. Hageman, who I wasn't sure if she was beat up a little bit um, or just something wasn't feeling right because when she she sat for a huge chunk of the first half um, in most of the second quarter and then didn't really play until the fourth quarter. So I wasn't sure if there was something there. It wasn't like turnovers were an issue. Uh, finished the game with only one. Uh, only I don't think she had – yeah, she had zero fouls. So it was just very strange. Um, but Kamaria McDaniel, she put in work, um, put up a lot of shots, looked very comfortable bringing the ball up. On, looked very comfortable on defense, was very explosive, moved the ball very well, had seven assists in that game. 
Um, Matilda Eck looked good as well, six for 11 from the field. Um, both of them shot over right around or at 50% um, from the field, but just those two and having those two who can both shoot it and space the floor and hit shots off the dribble, which I thought was the most impressive. Um, and I think that's something that all of you are going to get the chance to see the rest of this year. I, I think Kamaria McDaniel was the real deal, especially since she's coming off that torn or that knee injury. Um, it was a torn ACL, I believe. I was believe you're right. I, I, yeah. I, I'm almost correct. positive because, yeah, mm-hmm. she was she was at Penn State and then played there, transferred to Baylor, only played 10 games before um, the knee injury. And I don't even think she's 100% yet, and she's looking phenomenal already. Um, and she was upset with the loss in the postgame presser, but biggest smile on her face just that she even gets the opportunity to play um, – for this team and for Suzy Merchant, obviously being from Inkster, um, so a Michigan native, and is seems to be loving every second, especially when she has the ball in her hand. Yeah, my, my favorite part about Kamari McDaniel, this was in a post-game press conference after, was it the Oakland game? It was a game you and I were at, Jay. Yeah, uh, Michigan State, Oakland, I, uh, I don't have the stats on me, did not shoot very well from three-point land. They just couldn't get the ball to go, but they did a great job getting inside and getting points in the paint. After the game, I asked K-Mac about just the struggles three-point shooting to start the year, and, and K-Mac responds, just keep shooting. That was her response. Just keep shooting. Yeah. Eventually, they'll start going in, and I thought that was the, like, the best answer. Like I didn't, I didn't ask a very good question, but the answer she gave me I thought was really funny. And So, I mean, just I, she is like that top dog on this team. Obviously, she's played at some pretty good schools, played at Baylor last year, and she has, I mean, shown flashes of it. Obviously, early in the year, um, Susie was only letting everybody play about 20 minutes a night. She played 37 against Oregon, and she went out and she dropped 28 because she's that 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 person on the floor that can go out and get buckets. And Zach, you said you don't think she's 100. percent I mean, she played 37 minutes. It's kind of crazy. I mean, she had that. She played like almost the whole game. But yeah, I think this this is definitely her best game as a Spartan coming from Baylor last year off the torn ACL. I think I mean she, the ability to create her own shot, and she didn't even get to the final. She only got to the final line once, and it was good to see her knocking down those shots. Like she like you said, Matt. She just wants to keep shooting, and she she definitely did. So, yeah, and she's. I think people forgot how dominant she was before the injury. Uh, she has career highs in points at forty, assists at nine, and rebounds at eleven. So, and she dropped twenty seven, seven, and four. And everyone looks and they're like, "Wow, that was a really good game." But that's what I'm like. I I I truly believe there's more to that. And she even touched on it a little bit in the presser, saying her body's probably 90, 95% there, but mentally she she's was so far down that she's still working on getting just fully back to being comfortable making those cuts that she does that doesn't really seem anybody else can do. Um, the She had a crazy behind-the-back pull-up from the elbow um, and sunk it and just like cold face killer after just kind of walked back um but it looked like honestly she was just having so much fun out there which i think Susie merchant just loves seeing somebody who's that hot and just enjoying every second of it and brendan and i were talking a little bit about it there and kind of making comparisons in this the guards that michigan state has and it really does see like in the nba is obviously what i'm gonna reference it to but dd hageman's got that chris paul Pass first mindset will get you a bucket when you need it. Kamaria McDaniel reminds me so much of 
when Russell Westbrook played for the uh, the Thunder, like prime Russell Westbrook. Not Russell Westbrook now. No, like, <laughs> I, and I need a very clear prime Russell Westbrook. Like, will get you a bucket, can distribute, can rebound, can hit very difficult shots. Um, and she's just. I hate saying it, but she's she's got a little bit of dog in her after everything that she's <laughs> everything she's been through and just how much she's still doing um, for this team and for everyone um, around and with this team. Yeah, I, I she has impressed so far this year. I think one of the things I just as a whole, everybody, what, what were everybody's thoughts just on the weekend as a whole? I know State went zero and two. Al, if you want to start, go ahead. Um, obviously the first game we're past that horrible. Not going to sugarcoat it. They came back for Oregon, but the one thing that bothered me the most, because they ended up playing well, they had it tied at one point. We've talked about this a lot. For the first quarter, they went 4 for 11 from field goal range, and then 1 for 7 from the three-point. We talked about this a lot. Starting slow is going to mess them up if they're playing a real opponent, and we saw that. Like, in Big Ten play, they can't do that. And yes, they, they, they tied it. They were at one point, which is impressive, but if they were down 17 points at one point. You can't do that and then come back and think that you, I don't know. That, I mean, I would agree. I mean, their best quarter offensively was the third quarter, and they went 9 for 13 from the field. They took two three-pointers. They went 1 for 2. They made an emphasis of getting inside, and it worked. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, when you're trying to come back, you, have, you feel the need to shoot threes in this team that shoots a lot of three-pointers. Uh, but I do agree that starting off slow can't happen, and three-point shooting's got to improve. Marin, were you going to say something? Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> whoa. Um, I think I want to add on. It wasn't mentioned before, but Iceland Alexander had a very big game against Oregon. Uh, Parks got in some fairly early foul trouble, got sat, and Isa kind of got out there and showed up, and Susie wasn't going to take her off. She played 32 minutes, had 15 points, went seven for nine inside, and she's a player last year when she started coming out off the bench you didn't really see points from her. Um, and at the beginning of the season, it was a lot of rebounds, steals, a uh, very heavy defensive player. And recently, I feel like she's been coming out more and more, just getting more shots, and it's been working out for her really great. Um, I'm kind of excited to see how the rest of the season is going to go for her because she started big. Yeah, I think she played well. She played well in the Central game two weeks ago, came out, was important off the bench for Michigan State. My only concern from her performance is she played 32 minutes as a center. She did only have two rebounds. I mean, I, I mean, rebounding is a team stat. I mean, I don't get upset over who actually has the most rebounds on the team as long as they're the team. You are out rebounding the the as long as you're out rebounding your opponent. It doesn't really matter. Which Oregon had 39, Michigan State had 27. So not impressive. Obviously, like you said, Oregon's got a center that is six eight, six eight, and to just go off of that. Um, this will be my highlight from the weekend. Uh, Mo Joyner is elite on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Matt, do you know how tall Mo Joyner is? 5'10". She is 5'10", correct. Do you know who she blocked? Filipina Che, who's six foot eight, And Mo Joyner was playing, I don't even know, it was either a switch or um, she checked in for Alexander, but... Got caught down in the paint, and everyone was like, oh, this is not going to be good. Like, she's going to get backed up and then made look silly by somebody who's almost a foot taller than her. 
And the second that Che went up with it, Mo Joyner was like, absolutely not. And actually, it wasn't like a, a steal, like on the pump fake, knock it down. Like it was a layup and she sent it into the stands, like f- just a phenomenal block from Mo Joyner. And she looked good on the defensive side of the ball all game. Two steals, one block. And yeah, that block was against somebody who is 10 inches taller than her. Yeah, I think I, she plays hard on defense. She's done that all year. She's somebody that uh, Coach Susie Merchant looks to off the benches. I would say she is the sixth man for this Michigan State team. She comes off the bench. She plays hard. Uh, offense isn't always there, but defensively she's always on point. Uh, so that's, I mean, always something that this team needs, and she's going to be a huge part going forward. Uh, my next question before we get into the game previews, um, kind of I can tie these together. Uh, how have your expectations for this team changed or if they've changed after this weekend and kind of what concerns you going forward? Um, you know, I like this Michigan State team, over the, over the course of the season, they haven't really played like a lot of quality opponents until the Thanksgiving, until the PKI. I mean, you're seeing what Iowa State did to them. You see what Oregon, or they played better, much better against Oregon, but you're kind of seeing the level of competition that this Michigan State team is now playing. And now you got to play Georgia Tech, and we'll talk about them in a minute, but you're t- in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, you're playing a Georgia Tech team that went to the tournament has a lot of veteran leadership, and it's gonna be interesting to see how the Spartans respond off the you know the two losses in the PKI. So, I agree with Jay. Um, going into the PKI, the teams that Michigan State was playing weren't a lot of quality, um, and going in, they saw some real opponents. Iowa State, it was a tough game. They came back, I think, over Oregon, and I think that shows some hope for this team. Shows that they they can come back. The Georgia Tech game. We'll get into that more. Um, I think it's it's going to be something you have to look at. They have small things. Um, one of the biggest is just that first quarter. They have been starting off slow, and if they can kind of speed that up, get that shooting, I think that this could be a pretty quality team. Honestly, like Jay and Marin both said, I feel like my ex- my expectations haven't really changed. The Iowa State was an elite team that they played national championship contender. They And there's so many different things that went to that game. No act, just the time changed a lot. They just played really badly, which obviously against Oregon, they were a lot better. And the Oregon game was a lot closer. I think we saw some better things. And all the problems that we've seen with them are very fixable. You can fix your three-point shooting. You can fix your slow starts. So And, yeah, we'll talk about the... Georgia Tech game, but I feel like my expectations are honestly the same. Yeah, I think for me, honestly, I didn't expect them. I think believe last week I said they'd lose both. Uh, the Oregon game was what I expected from them. They they fell behind twice in that game. They battled back both times, so I do like seeing that they have that fight in them to come back and ca- crawl back into games. My only concern going forward, we've talked about three point shooting, the slow starts, free throw shooting. Yeah, it's not good. They right now they are second to last in the Big Ten ahead of just Northwestern, who is not very good. Uh, Michigan State's shooting sixty seven percent from the free throw line. And this is a team that gets to the free throw line a lot, so that's just concerning. That like uh, Kamari McDaniel gets to the free throw line eight nine times a game, or she gets nine attempts a game. It's just concerning that for a team that gets a lot of opportunities at the free throw line against these better teams, you're going to have to take advantage of your opportunities. So that's that for me. That's my only big concern behind slow starts, which have to get fixed, three-point shooting, the free throws. After that, I honestly think this could be a pretty good team. I think last year they finished eighth in the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan State finished eighth in the Big Ten. I, yes. I believe I'm yes. – I, 
I think this is a team that can finish in the in the six five six range because there are five team or six teams right now in the Big Ten are ranked three in the top ten six are ranked total and I think they're right there in that seven six range and they can be get receive votes in the AP poll may even be ranked at some point this year. Yeah, and I I said that the men's football team. Uh, was going to win eight games, so maybe don't listen to my take on this um, because I'm not exactly. I said they were going to make the playoffs. So. Uh, well, I didn't say that. I I said that they were going to go eight and four, nine and three. Um, they went five and seven for anyone who doesn't. For any of those that missed, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I get to talk about that right after this podcast, so that's always exciting to look forward to. I think this is a, a fifth in the Big Ten, maybe sixth, but not only that. I think this team makes a little bit of a run in the Big Ten tournament. Um, I can see them winning at least two games in that tournament, maybe one upset. Um, I don't think, and I could be wrong as the season goes on, but I really highly, highly doubt that Michigan State will play anybody as good as Iowa State in the regular season. Um, I think they'll play more teams in line with Oregon, who's a very good basketball team. Um, Obviously, they're ranked 18th in the country, but I think that's more along those lines. Um, Oregon, I think, would be ranked even higher if they had more depth. They only have nine players that were are active and healthy right now. Um, they only have ten on the roster. Um, as one girl got uh, very TikTok famous um, and quit the team. Um, it's true. I swear. I know, uh, yeah, yeah. For Oregon, right? Yes. Yeah. I know, you're talking, I know you're talking. Um, about. Yep. Yes. Uh, got very TikTok famous and stopped playing basketball. Um, so there's that, but. I think Oregon is around what Michigan State should expect to play again, and they competed in that game. Once they get everyone healthy and clicking, I think this is a team that will have success. I think they'll probably go around 500 in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think the yeah for this year their expectations should be higher than last year. Last year the injuries derailed their season. Then adding Gabby Elliott and Kamari McDaniel, who appears to be the leader of this team and the leading scorer and everybody's going to look to, they definitely have a high ceiling. Something that helps their scheduling is – like I said before, there are three Big Ten teams in the top ten. That's Ohio State, Indiana, and Iowa. Michigan State plays all three of those teams once. Like, once. They don't have to have a home-and-home home with them. They play Ohio State in two weeks in Columbus. Right before New Year's, they host Indiana, and then they host Iowa right, I believe, like January 10th around that time. So the second half of the Big Ten schedule, they don't have to play as many good teams. They will have a lighter schedule. It will be much. I, I I think they finish above 500 simply because they they're they probably have one of the more favorable schedules in the conference. But I think this could be a, a very promising season for Michigan State, even after what was you could I mean, going 0 and 2 is never a good weekend. But still, I think they showed a lot of promise going forward. Let's go into our game previews for the upcoming week tomorrow night. Michigan State hosts Georgia Tech at 8 p.m. at the Breslin Center, taking on Georgia Tech, the Yellow Jackets. George Tech, 21-11 and 11 a year ago. They were a nine seed in the tournament for losing to Kansas in the first round. Five and two on the year. They have some good players. Cameron Schwartz and Bianca Jackson are the two leading scorers as fifth-year seniors, both averaging 12.5 points a game. Uh, I'll throw this, just throw this out there for anybody. Just what, obviously, you'd expect. What, what do you expect to see from Michigan State coming back from Portland tomorrow night? Yeah, I mean, like I said, this Georgia Tech team, a lot of veteran leadership, I think. You know, coming off the PKI where you know MSU went 0-2, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they respond against a good team like this um, in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. I think, you know, if, if Kamari McDowell can have the game, you know, the game she had last, against Oregon, I mean, uh, you, you could see uh, the Spartans come out with a win. 
and especially down low, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Tyra Parks performs, especially because she only played one minute against Oregon. It's going to be interesting to see how she comes off of that. Um, and yeah, I think I think I think the Spartans come out with a response. I, I it's going to be very close, but I think overall it's it's going to be a really close game. I think Georgia Tech can overall Georgia Tech will get the win. So I I can see the Spartans putting up a fight against Georgia Tech. I don't know how optimistic I can be because I think a lot of the mistakes that have been hurting the Spartans, especially against bigger teams. They're not fixed overnight. I don't think they'll be fixed within a week. So I can see Georgia Tech very much coming out with the win, but I think MSU is going to put in a good fight now that they have the PKI under their belt. I think that it will be close. It can go either way. The one thing that I'm thinking maybe can be fixed, they have also had the issue at home, so it's whatever, but I think that being playing a game home as opposed to, like, an away place I've never been before, maybe will just somehow help the atmosphere and, like, the first quarter shooting. That could possibly help being at home on your own turf. So if if they start out the game strong tomorrow, I say they could get a win. But I think it'll be a good fight either way, a good close game. I think of the two games this week for Michigan State, I think this is the more winnable one. Uh, Georgia Tech is a good team, but I don't think they are what they were last year. They've kind of struggled in some of their games. Um, I believe they have a lot of common opponents with, I believe it's Florida A&M or Delaware State. I believe it's Florida A&M. They've lost similar opponents like South Florida, Georgia State. Uh, Georgia Tech lost to South Florida by 13. They only beat Georgia State by 18. So, I mean, I think this is a good Georgia Tech team. They went out. They won both their games against Air Force and Belmont last weekend. They don't shoot the three ball well. They shoot 29% from three. Turn the ball over 16 times a game, which Michigan State's got one of the best. Their full court press that Michigan State runs forces a lot of turnovers. So I think to, uh, I think tomorrow night they get the win at home. Um, winning on the road is tough in college basketball, and I think Michigan State will get it done. Um, so I, I I just think they get it done. I think Kamari McDaniel's going to have another big game, and I'm interested to see how uh, Tiger Parks bounces back. Uh, moving into the Purdue game, this is we kind of talked about the Big Ten preview already for the year, but. First game of conference play, big game for Michigan State. They take on Purdue, who is 6-1 and one on the year. Purdue is playing Syracuse right now in their ACC Challenge game as we speak. Um, they went 17-15 a year ago. As we talked about, Michigan State eliminated them from the Big Ten tournament a year ago. What what do we expect to see from this one from Purdue? Yeah, I think it's, it's it, I think it's a must-win game. I mean, I'm Purdue and open up Big Ten play, I think you have to get a win. As we see Marin look, giving us a score update, it's currently 47-29 Purdue. I mean, they're, de- they're destroying them at halftime. The, the so. Orange are not showing up yes. in I, West Lafayette. I, but I do think this is a must-win game. Shout out Otto. To start a Big Ten play. <laughs> you you, you want to give up? <laughs> Just shout out the mascot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, anyways. My third favorite mascot. Yes. Who's the first and second? Oh, let's. Sorry. Jay, you talk, then we can get to my, my top three mascots. Good. Yeah, top three mascots. But, anyways, yeah, Syracuse does have a great mascot. Anyways, um, you have to get off to a good start in Big Ten play. Um, you start off 1 0 against a, a Purdue team that finished 17 15 a year ago. That's <laughs> 7 and 11 in the Big Ten. I, I do think this is this is a game they can definitely win. Um, and, yeah, so. so. Um, I. This would be a very big win for the Spartans to come out, beat Purdue in their first Big Ten game, and I think it's something that they could do. 
Um, <clears throat> uh, they beat Purdue last year in the Big Ten tournament. I was there. I witnessed it. It was a very, it was a close game. It was a stressful game. And the Spartans hung on. They fought. And I think they can fight again. Um, this Purdue team is very good at shooting. And that's something just in general. Oh, Purdue well, is. I, I was still thinking. I was still thinking of Georgia Tech for. I'm like Georgia Tech's doing 29, percent but never mind. Mm. Purdue is shooting very well this year. Purdue is shooting very well this year, and if they come out hot, and the Spartans continue on their streak of having a bit of a slow start, that could cause some trouble. But I think the Spartans could claw their way up and come out with the Big Ten win. I'm gonna. Last week I was the optimist. I was wrong. I, but I said that we were going to go one on one. It's what you get for being the optimist. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to do it again. I'm going to say they're going to, it's at home. They're going to play and win again. They're going to get the first Big Ten win. Purdue last year came to East Lansing in January and beat Michigan State, which was not a good loss for Michigan State, especially at home. It was a, That was a rough one. At, Purdue is shooting, like you said, very good shoot, three point shooting. They're second in the Big Ten, unlike Michigan State, who is fourth to last in the Big Ten. Purdue shooting 38, almost 39% from three. Michigan State does a pretty good job of defending the three-pointer, but most of that's because they have played teams that just can't put the ball in the basket, period. So obviously not going to shoot well from three. So I, this is going to be an interesting – this is definitely going to be the better of the two games. I think this one's going to be really close, the tougher matchup for Michigan State. I, I think they win simply because they have the Georgia Tech game. Win or lose on Thursday, I think that will have them ready to win on Monday. And they, they have to win their Big Ten opener because then their next game is next Sunday in Columbus, and they're not beating Ohio State in Columbus. I mean, we're going to talk about that next week, next Wednesday. Stay tuned. But so anyways, but. Yeah, you know who's not one of my favorite mascots? Boiler Pete. I was just he, about to say that. Creepiest He's mascot. creepy. Um, Horrifying. No, I think I, I, I'm going to go with Matt. I think... The Georgia Tech game, I'm I'm not too sure on, but I think I'm debating between a split one and one. Um, I do think they can win both these games, so I'm just going to be the optimist and say they're gonna they're gonna win both. Um, I think they have a really good basketball team. I just think they're still figuring some stuff out, and it looked like the second half of that Oregon, even the last three quarters of that Oregon game. Um, they have figured it out because you get rid of that first quarter and they beat Oregon. Um, but when you get down 17 early, it's pretty it's pretty tough to come back from that. Yeah, I think it, it's going to be tough. Produced led by two seniors or led by Janae, I believe it's pronounced Janae Terry, a senior guard who's a triple-double threat. Talk about Mo Joyner being, being good down low and rebounding. And uh, Janae Terry is 5'11" and she's averaging almost a triple-double game. She leads Purdue in rebounds per game as a guard, which is pretty impressive. And then fifth-year senior, Lasha Petri, she's the leading scorer on this Purdue team, averaging 18 points a night. So it's going to be a tough test for Michigan State, but we'll see if they can get it done. So to recap our weekly predictions, I'm saying 2-0. Allie is saying 2-0. Marin, you're 1-1. I'm leaning towards 1-1, but um, it's... My prediction could definitely change. I do. I do well, I mean, it's tr- locked in like right now, so you have to. You have, yeah. it, does, it can't well, change. We'll, no, <laughs> it can't. I'm, I'm leaning towards one and one. The Georgia Tech game is going to be a tough test, but yeah, I do think they get it done against Purdue. So, yep. Jay's going with whatever it actually happens. That was <laughs> I, his pick. That's a good pick. <laughs> he'll, he'll he'll retract his answer regardless yes. next week. Yeah. No, I think I think that that's a good strategy. That's how you win the pick 'em at the end of, of uh, <laughs> end of the year. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. 
I really appreciate it. Before we leave, I do need to know your top three masks. No, yeah, I was going to get to that. I just wanted to thank you for uh, letting me hop on. Uh, I've done now every sport at at, at Impact. Uh, I've been on all their podcasts. I've done hockey. Obviously, I'm on the football one. Um, So getting on here is very much appreciated. Best three mascots in the country, though. Number one, uh, Sparty, obviously. Of course. He's the best looking, the most intense. That was pretty cool. One arm push ups. Uh, Sparty is the best. I've always thought that even when I was little um, and would play NCAA 14 in the mascot game because Sparty's yoked. Um, so therefore, he can truck people. Uh, number two, Testudo the Tortoise, or the Terrapin, sorry, Maryland's mascot, who I am a huge fan of. Um, and number three is Otto the Orange, who is obviously Syracuse's mascot. But. So yeah, Sparty, Tustudo, and uh, Otto. Where? What about uh? Oh, what's his name? What about BYU's mascot? No, I'm thinking Western Kentucky's. <laughs> oh, the hilltop, the red, the hilltopper, the hilltop. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's just the blob. Yeah. The blob. I forget oh, yeah. his name. Is. I think he it's looks like a red, blood clot. Uh, <laughs> he does look like <laughs> he a blood clot. He's still electric. He's uh, he's he's not up there. Uh, a close. My runners up would be TCU's horned frog. Hypnotoad. Um, <laughs> he's he's pretty electric and Stanford's yeah, tree. tree the tree is, in, yeah, is number five. Uh, I did get to meet uh, the Oregon's duck though. Puddle. It's um, literally his name is Puddles. His so. new name is going to be Bo um, because yeah. Matt and I's boys Bo Nix might win the Heisman. Can we? You should. Are you in on cocky? The game cock. Oh, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, he's the se- the the live one is what the one you're talking about, right? Um, the one no. that's like real. The live one. I think don't I don't don't, the, okay. don't say his name. You can't say yeah, that. Yeah, the the it's FCC will not allow us. Um, but uh, Uga is the best live mascot. But right. that's where mm-hmm. I'm standing like at at mascot. Smokey from Tennessee. That's a good one. But Uga is just. I think he's like. I think he's Uga seventeen. Um, <laughs> because uh, the first sixteen Uggas are in heaven. Um, his brothers. Because all dogs go to heaven. And dads. Um, but yeah, Uga, he that guy. That's all we have here for the Breslin <laughs> Breakdown. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure to follow along for both games. We will not have a broadcast tomorrow. We might Monday night have to talk to Sir Dynek at our meeting, which is right after this. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast. You can find Breslin Breakdown on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Impact, 89fm.org, sports, or anywhere else you find your podcast. And that will do it for the show. Thank you, Zach, for coming on and sharing your wisdom from Portland. Hope you had a fun time. That's going to do it for us here. Thank you, everyone, and have a great week.